hand. That's my prayer this morning. I'm quite nervous. It's a bit strange to speak into a camera, into a phone. Um, But I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you uh, that our journey of faith is an invitation um, to you, an invitation into your heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use my life, my journey, my testimony, my journey of faith uh, to encourage others. And as we look at Rahab, may her journey of faith encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I usually watch church in my pyjamas, so um, for you I got dressed, so that's good. Those of you who are in your pyjamas with a cup of tea, wonderful. Um, We're going to look at faith, we're going to look at Rahab. Some of you may know who Rahab is. She's a woman, what am I looking at? Um, in the Old Testament and I was thinking this morning actually what is faith? Faith is a huge, huge topic Um, and I asked God this morning what what image does he want to give to us this morning and I I had this image in my mind of of the father holding out his his hand um, offering all of himself to us and as we walk in faith um, we, we get to know more of who God is. So, so say I'm, I'm journeying with God, I need to know him as my peace. He's holding out his hand, he's saying, Esther, I am peace. And I hold out my hand in faith. And, and when you kind of take someone's hand, it's like you, you, you agree with them and say, yes, I agree that you are peace. And I might not feel that peace yet, but I choose to reach out my hand and say, Father, show me what it is for you to be my peace. And it's that, it's that journey. And the journey of faith always, always leads us closer to the Father. Always. That's, that's the goal. Intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, Chris, if you just put up Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. If you want to know more about faith, Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter on faith. Um, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And that's the thing of faith. (laughs) You can't see. (laughs) It's what we hope for, but we can't yet see it. And in my journey at the moment of faith, I'm learning what does it mean for God to be my comfort and my peace. And I, I reach out my hand and say, God, I need you as my comforter. I need you as a God of peace. Show me. And he takes me on this journey through the ups and downs of life. And I'm learning what it is for him to be those things for me. And Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I mean, that could be my talk right there. We can go home and that that can be it. But I love the fact that when we reach out our hand and our heart to God and say, I think you do exist. I need you to be these things for me. I I think I trust you. I I think you are good. It 
gives him such pleasure, it pleases him. It brings joy to his face, a smile to his face and pleasure. And we say, I choose to take that step. Um, But also with faith, it requires a seeking. It's not necessarily instant. It, 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 It requires time to build relationship and fellowship and intimacy with God. Um, and so I suppose my first question is, what is, what, what hand are you reaching out to God? What do you need him to be for you? What area of his character do you need to discover in these days? Um, so Andrew spoke on Ruth a few weeks ago. Rosh spoke on Joshua. And I thought, oh, I could speak on Esther. That's a, that's a classic. I could uh, speak on the book of Esther. Um, but I felt God say to me, don't speak on these kind of big characters of faith, like Moses who parted the Red Sea, or Elijah who called down you know, fire from heaven, or Esther who saved her people from being killed. But he said, I want you to speak on Rahab. Um, you might know who she is. Um, But before I I, I do that, I just want to put an image up on the screen. I'm quite a a visual person. I I might not remember many words, but I remember pictures. I don't know if you're the same. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about Christmas. I was thinking about Christmas cards. Um, And I've always had this thought of I, I, I work with people in addiction who are homeless, who have mental health issues, who have no family, have no home. And I've always had this this dream of I'd like um, some of them to design a Christmas card to portray what Je- who Jesus really is and why he came to earth. Um, this picture behind me is very clean. (laughs) I'm sure Mary wasn't kind of perfectly like that. I'm sure she didn't have a halo. I'm sure Jesus wasn't... um, (laughs) I don't know why he's got spikes out of his head. I'm sure he didn't look like that. I'm sure it was a very messy, bloody, sweaty stable. I'm sure it stank of animal poo. I'm sure it was um, not clean, it wasn't bleached clean, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And yet that's sometimes the image we have, actually this is Christianity. It's clean, it's perfect. You pray your prayer on Sunday morning and on Monday morning it's answered and it's all wonderful. This is not, this is not how I see the gospel and I'm sure with the clients I work with that's not they, how they see Jesus. Jesus was born into our mess. He was born into the, um, the fr- fr- uh, fragility of, of life, of our blood, of our sweat, of our tears. And he was born into that to bring hope and redemption and restoration. And, that, and that's how I see faith. My journey of faith is gritty. <laughs> And it's messy and there's been tears and there's been sweat and there's been confusion and there's been pain. But at the same time, it's been glorious 
and wonderful and all-consuming because our journey of faith is a journey towards understanding and feeling and knowing we are fully known and fully loved. And that is the paradox, if that's the right word, of, of the Christian walk. In Hebrews 11, we re- read people of faith who shut the mouths of lions, who walked in fire and was not burned, who raised the dead. Um, these incredible things, but we also see people who were tortured who were sawed into, who were shipwrecked, who were put in prison. And that is the journey of faith. So I want to encourage you, if you are in the mess and you think, oh, I need to be this clean, perfect Christian before I come to church, before I come to God, I need this halo. (laughs) I say, no, that's not the Jesus of the Gospels. Um, Jesus came into our mess. Um, I, this is my Bible, in a sense, this is my, <laughs> this is my journey of faith. I've had it, I think, since I was 18, and I did a talk once, and um, somebody thought I was really holy because my Bible was well-worn, but the truth is, it fell in the bath, <laughs> and that's why <laughs> it's like this. I'm missing um, the first 12 chapters of Genesis, unfortunately, so luckily my talk isn't on that. Um, and it's held together with, with gaffer tape. And I bought a new Bible. And actually, the woman at the talk, she bought me a new Bible because she said, you can't have one like that. It's falling apart. But I got a new one, but I don't really use it very much. I always go back to this one because I, I write in it and I read it and I put dates in it. And I go like, gosh, I'm in Nehemiah chapter 8, just coincidence. It's got MP by the side, which is for meeting point. So when I was 14, I went to a youth group called Meeting Point and God obviously spoke to me from this chapter. So this is my journey of faith. It's worn and old. <laughs> um, and just to say, let's not compare our faith journeys. That's really, really key. My faith journey is my faith journey. It's not yours. Yours isn't mine. You know parts of God and parts of God's character that I don't know yet. I haven't had that revealed to me. I haven't pushed into that yet. Um, I can learn from you. You can learn from me. No faith journey is better than anyone else. If you've been a Christian for one day or a Christian for 80 years, we've all got something to learn from each other. So please, I think of that advert, that advert go compare, as in don't compare. That's my, um, my theme for today. Um, I'm going to read Joshua chapter 2. It would be great if you um, have a Bible at home. I'm going to use the NIV version. Um, So Joshua is in the Old Testament. So it's probably, I don't know, maybe a tenth of the way through. You can see it's about there. Um, Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read the whole story um, because basically that is Rahab's um, journey. I'm now at Asia, I need glasses, it's very exciting. Um, So Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab 
and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days, until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Yeah, I'll stop there. Um, sorry, let's get a drink. So, Rahab. So, who was she? 
So Andrew spoke on Ruth, and actually Rahab was Ruth's mother-in-law. Um, so Rahab, oh sorry, <laughs> Ruth, Ruth's first husband, Naomi was the mother-in-law of her first husband, and then um, Rahab married Salmon, or someone, and um, uh, Ruth married their son who was Boaz. So that's the kind of the time of that. And also Rahab was David's great, great grandmother, which I think is brilliant. He was kind of, she was like his great, great granny, which I think is beautiful. Rahab lived in Jericho. So she wasn't um, part of the Israelites. She wasn't a, a, a believer in such, and she wasn't part of the kind of the, the family of God. She lived in a city where they worshipped other, other gods. They weren't a believing uh, city. And in Hebrews eleven thirty one, it says that actually everyone in the city was destroyed apart from Rahab. Um, actually, I might not have that on there. No, it's fine. Um, and also, the most beautiful thing is actually Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus. So... In Matthew chapter 1, we have the kind of line of Jesus of all the people who kind of, who married who, the children that were born, and eventually, freaking David, eventually was Jesus. And Rahab is one of the women who's in the line of Jesus. And I just think that's the most beautiful thing, um, that actually her story isn't like Moses or Elijah or Esther, but actually she's a woman who says, I'm going to hide these spies in my home um, because I fear God. Um, and I just wanted to ask God, really, what's he saying to us as a church, as, as Hope Church, but also as the church, as in the people of God? Um, first thing I've heard him say is actually don't be surprised at who God uses and who God appears to. For some reason, they felt it really important to write in here that she was a prostitute. Um, And again, in Hebrews 11, it says Rahab, the the prostitute. Um, My job, as I said, I I work with people from all walks of life who've just really struggled. Um, Sometimes we can put God in in a box and we say, we think of that picture of the kind of the Christmas scene, thinking, well, this is who God is going to appear to. And this is who he's not going to appear to. Um, we, we had a, a guy who, who I would see most days in, in my job and he was involved in, in all sorts of things which weren't actually very nice and the consequences of his actions were also not very nice and I struggled to love him and I think in my heart I was thinking how on earth could, <laughs> could God break into that, that man's life I, d- I didn't see him for about a year and then a year later he came in and I was serving him coffee or something he said, Esther, you never guess what. I was at this meeting and they were singing songs to Jesus. And he said, I felt like I was walking on air. He said, all my shame and my sin and my dirt and my everything, it just went. And I, and I, I felt so light. He said, what is that? They said there's something called the Holy Spirit. Like, who, what is the Holy Spirit? So he'd, he'd, had, he's, he'd met Jesus, 
but he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know what, what had happened to him. But God, in his grace and mercy, broke into this man's life, and I was humbled, and I um, said sorry to God for my judgment of thinking God can't break in there. And, and maybe Rahab thought the same thing. She, she was living a life of prostitution, and that might have been quite normal in those days in, in that city. We don't know what she thought of herself. We don't know what others thought of her. But I love the fact that God mentions her um, and the line of Jesus came through this woman because actually what's, what he saw was her heart. And faith comes from the heart. It doesn't come from our, our head. Um, Proverbs 3, 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we see in that story that, that Rahab, um, she says, um, Oh yeah, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of all heavens above and earth below. And she confessed to the spy, she said, I'd heard stories. She hadn't met God she hadn't seen God part the Red Sea or provide manna in the desert. All she had was stories. She said, I've heard stories of this God. I believe he is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And it says in Hebrews 11, I think it's the, um, somewhere 31, that actually all the other people in Jericho were destroyed. Every single one did evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord, but Rahab cried out to God and said, yes, I know that you are God. And that was her confession of faith. And I think the fact that, that Rahab is in, in Hebrews 11 and the genealogy of Jesus just beautifully illustrates God's heart for us. Uh, I don't know what you think of yourself or um, what you think others think of you, but God is such a God of value and we might judge people for what they do or what they look like Um, but I think God is working (laughs) he's working outside of the church we've gathered in church buildings for many 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 years and I feel in this season he's working outside of of the church building don't be surprised who God uses Um, Don't be surprised who God appears to. Um, Be open. Um, And in the same way that God sent the spies to Rahab's house to rescue her, I'm asking myself that question, God, who are you sending me to? There may be someone who in their heart is going, I think there's a God. I've heard stories. (laughs) I don't know, but I've heard that he parts the Red Sea and I've heard that he heals Who is God sending you to in your workplace or in your mum's group or in your family? Um, Let's be open. Um, And I just felt God wanted me to share as well that those who feel the most insignificant are the ones that God often uses in most significant ways. So I'll say that again. Those who often feel they are the most insignificant are the ones that God often uses most significantly. We might have passed over this story of Rahab. Oh, she was a prostitute in this house. And God goes, no, she is a woman 
of significance. And I'm going to use her in the genealogy of Jesus for, you know, for the Son of God um, to be born through that line. It's just um, beautiful. And the second thing I felt God say, we can't control how God will act. <laughs> and sometimes it takes time. And none of us want, want to hear that. <laughs> no one wants to hear that life is a process. No one wants to hear it takes time and it's a journey. Um, I heard someone say once that the word process is the most disliked word in the Christian life because when we're in pain, we want it fixed now. Um, further on in the story of, of Rahab, um, as Rosh mentioned, mentioned last week, Rahab lived in the city of Jericho and that was the city that Joshua and his men walked around for seven days. And on the seventh day, um, they blew the ram's horn and the walls came down. So that's the same, that's the same place. Um, so we can't control how God will act. Um, when the spies came to Rahab and said, we will um, come back for you. Um, hang a red cord from your window. We will uh, rescue you. Everyone around you, we, we will be killed, but we will come for you. Don't worry. Just sit tight and wait. And she gathered her family, her mother, her brothers, her sisters, their families, and they were all in this house together waiting for God to come through. And so she probably looked out a window. Day one, the Israelites came and thought, yes. Here's the army. They're coming to rescue us. Don't worry, guys. It's going to be okay. They walked around the city in silence and they went back to their camp. <laughs> and she probably thought, what? They're meant to come to my house and rescue me. She goes, don't worry, everyone. Day two, they're going to come. They arrive day two. They walk around the city again in silence and they go back to their camp. That happens day three, day four, day five, and day six. And they're probably, her family's probably going, Rahab, you are bonkers. <laughs> You're crazy. You said they're going to rescue you. All they're doing is walking around a city in complete silence. Like, that's crazy. And, I, and I'm wondering if Rahab thought, I wonder actually if God is able to deliver us. I'm wondering if the Israelites are walking around the city wall thinking, how are we actually going to conquer this city? But what they didn't know that... Um, God had given them a strategy and they were being obedient to that strategy. Um, so Rahab couldn't control how God was going to move. And I don't know, like you, I've, it's really hard to allow God to work in his timing. But that's all part of the journey of faith, trusting in him. Um, Rahab was obedient. She did her part. She put the red cord out of the window and she gathered her family. That's what she was asked to do. And in God's timing, on the seventh day, they walked around the city wall seven times. On the seventh time, they blew the ram's horn and the walls of Jericho supernaturally absolutely collapsed. And these were thick, thick walls. They were probably thinking, we're very safe here. There's no way the Israelites are going to conquer us. Um, uh, so we can't control how God's going to act and his timing often isn't ours but when he does act it's glorious um, and often in a supernatural way 
Um, I just wanted to just tell a short story of of the kind of what, what does it look like to kind of wait in the same way that Rahab was waiting? She had the promise, in a sense, from God, but she was in the waiting um, and was probably quite confused and whatever. And I was just reminded of a story. I moved into uh, a house last November, November the 1st. I felt God asked me to, so I was obedient to that. The, the thing was... <laughs> My salary didn't cover my rent and my bills. And that was a journey of faith for me, trusting God to be my provider. Um, And I thought, right, well, I need people to live with me so I can pay my rent and my bills. Of course, that's the common sense thing to do. Put the word out. People came around. No one said yes. (laughs) I'm like, what? Beautiful house. It's a three-bedroom house. Um, and, it, and it was a journey for me of, of waiting and believing, in a sense, reach out my hand and say, God, you say you're my, my, my father and my provider. I believe I'm being obedient. Please um, help me. Please, please provide for me. Um, I don't think it was in, in February that I had a call from um, Katie and Paul. Um, who are part of Hope Church and they said our house needs some work done on it we need somewhere to stay for a few months and um, I said yes of course wonderful so they came to live with me in February and um, and hindsight <laughs> in our spiritual lives is a, is a wonderful thing um, and we can look back and say oh God's timing is just perfect no one wants to hear God's timing is perfect when you're in the middle of waiting for God's timing. And people say, oh, you know, but God's timing is perfect. Shut up. <laughs> um, and you're in that mess and you're in the tears and the sweat and, the, and you're worshipping and you feel like you're worshipping and no one's listening and you feel like you're praying and there's no answer. Um, but in hindsight, <laughs> God knew what he was doing and I needed those few months just for me and God, it was a very tender, intimate season of just me and God, which I probably never, ever had in the whole of my life. And then in February, God says, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here's some people who you know, and they can live with you. So, um, yes, we can't control how God will act, and sometimes it takes time. Um, and in this relationship with God, we need to give him space and room to be God. Um, yeah, I think that's really key. Just to allow him to say, you know, God, I give you permission to have your way in your timing, in the way that you want to work. And that's surrender. That's what it means to kind of lay down our lives and say, not my will be done, but yours but from the knowledge that we are deeply known and deeply loved and God is deeply good. And, and, and the last thing is something that, that Rosh, um, <laughs> Rosh and Josh, Rosh spoke last week on Joshua, from Joshua 24, verse 15. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he said that last week and I... Um, I just thought that was a quite a... I felt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to us as a church in particular about that. 
Rahab gathered her family together in her household and they waited for God to deliver them and to redeem them. We have no idea what they were going through in that home. Maybe they worshipped together, maybe they argued, maybe they prayed, maybe they doubted. But I love that image of they were together in this house, in a city that was being utterly devastated by the Israelites. They said everyone who did evil in the eyes of the Lord was, was put to death. But in this family and in this home, it was a place of safety and God's presence where they dwelt. And I love the fact there was a red cord hanging from the window. We can, I see that as kind of the kind of blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covered them and protected them because they said in their hearts, Rahab said in her heart, I believe that you are the Lord of the heavens and, and the earth. And we're going on a, on a journey of what it means to, we can't gather yet as a, as a church family here, and I, I really miss that. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, and at the moment, we're, we're meeting in, in households uh, where we can. And I understand maybe for some people, even that is quite a, can be quite a trigger in terms of gathering as a family. Maybe even the word family can trigger pain or, or grief or loss of maybe a family that you don't have or you're not talking to or you feel isolated or the thought of gathering a small group of people in your home brings up feelings of anxiety or, or you're not sure whether you trust people. Um, and actually when we were asked to kind of link with a, other people on a Sunday morning in a group of six, I, I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure who I'm going to meet with. And all kinds of thoughts go, go through our, our heads. Um, but just I want to encourage us that actually we feel as a church in this season, we don't know how long it's going to be, but to encourage um, us to meet in, in, in households. And there's something, <laughs> there's something, just thinking back to the stable picture, there's something quite messy and awkward and it's not slick. When we gather in a small group of people to worship, to pray, to eat together, to look at the word together. It's not like in that manger story of Mary with her halo and um, the angels are there and there's harps and it's, it's wonderful. It's actually when we gather together in a small group of people, it's raw and it's real and I'm sure there will be tears and pain and people will start to share maybe how they wouldn't share, maybe in a big group on, on a Sunday. Um, but also, like in the, st- in, the, in the story of the birth of Jesus, in the, the kind of reality and the rawness. So I just need to drink water. <laughs> um, in that rawness of what does it look like to do church? What does it look like to be church? What does it look like, look like to worship when we don't even know God exists anymore or we haven't felt his love or in that place, in the same way that Jesus was born in, amongst the smells and the, the blood and the sweat and the tears and I'm sure Joseph wasn't looking like he was on that picture. I'm sure he was extremely tired and 
I'm sure Mary was just longing to go to sleep and, and the kings arrived with presents. And, um, but Jesus was born into that. And so into that mess comes hope, comes redemption, comes restoration, comes salvation. And so I just want to en- encourage you in this season. It might be hard that we can't meet on a Sunday, but I think there's something very, very special about what God is is inviting us into um, in this season, and we don't know how long it's going to be for. Be for, but um, yeah, that reality of just going deeper and discovering God of what does it mean to go right to the source of who God is, not come to church from. You know, maybe to listen to someone, or maybe you know, listen to someone else doing worship, but to worship together. Um, and we need each, each other. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how God has designed us to be, to walk with each other. Um, I'm going to stop there. Um, so, I think just to conclude, really, don't be surprised at how God works. Um, I often pray the prayer, God, I don't want to put you in a box. <laughs> I want to see you work. Um, don't compare your faith journey with anyone else's, um, but allow God just to develop that, that journey of faith to you, with you and, and also just ask God, what is it, um, what part of his character is he wanting to show you and to reveal to you in this season? And also, this is something that I, I need to do as well, is just to ask God, who am I to, who am I to connect with on a, on a Sunday morning? Who am I to do church with on a Sunday morning? Um, and I'm just going to finish really from Psalm 62. Um, which talks about kind of waiting for God and, and putting our, our hope in him. I'm just going to finish with this as a, as a prayer. So Psalm 62, verse 5 to 8. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honour come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. I'm just going to read that again. Let all that I am Wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honour come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, 
for God is our refuge. And so, Father, we want to thank you. Thank you that you are our refuge. Thank you for our own journeys of faith. Thank you that you know where we are. Some of us are in the waiting, and it feels like the waiting is long. But we just want to continue just to hang on to your promises, to gather with other people to encourage us. And thank you that you are our deliverer in the way that you delivered Rahab and rescued her and you saw her heart. Lord, you see our hearts. You see those desires of our hearts. Say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so, Father, we just go away with that that picture in our minds of actually you were born into our mess. And we just give ourselves full permission to be ourselves in the joys and the gloriousness, but also in the pain and the heartache and the confusion and the grief and the loss and the things as a nation and as a world that we are experiencing in those in that raw, messy state, would you be born? Would you birth hope and redemption and healing and restoration in a way that we've never seen before? So thank you, and I just want to speak blessing on each one of us, upon our households, upon our families, whether that's our blood families or, or friends. Um, yeah, people that we call family. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Esther. Do take the, the time as well to, uh, to pray for each other if you're with other people as well. And uh, I think the invitation I, I kind of hear through what Esther was saying is to, be, is to be real and to be raw and not to think that we've got to put on a put on a face or a performance for God but we can bring everything to him uh, and from that place of rawness we, you know, we know that he's good and he's for us and he's God so um, I don't know what sort of pattern you're finding you're getting into on a, you know, as part of these Sunday um, scattered services but it'd be great to be able to articulate, explain to another person what, what God's saying to you and to be able to pray together inviting the Holy Spirit into, into that I've got some takeaways I'm going to process um, for my own life. Great, so we'll finish there. Um, I think Charlie mentioned that the youth videos uh, are up and online as well. And then we've got those events happening uh, through the afternoon. The bring your own coffee and, and, uh, and then youth and football church for the kids. Um, and then uh, Tuesday morning, 6.30, men's breakfast. We'll send a text out to, every me- to the men in our database uh, with the link to the Zoom. And we'll put that actually on social media as well, if you're not aware of that already. Great.